welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Hey, have we got any um, have we got any Netflix fans in the room? Whoop, whoop. Deep theological start to the sermon. <laughs> um, actually, I want to preach a message this morning that I kind of feel has been on my heart for a few years. It's something that it was kind of a God thought that came out of something I was watching on Netflix, and I'm going to unpack that. And don't worry, we'll we'll look in the Bible. <laughs> But um, has anyone seen something called Friday Night Lights? Anybody? Okay. So try and give you a quick overview of Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is about this coach in America of an American football team, a college football team. And this team, they're based in Texas, in quite a deprived part of Texas. And football is so much more than just a game. It's their livelihood. It's their hope. It's their hope to make a better life, to get a scholarship. But these boys, they're coming from broken families, they're coming from difficult situations, and and coach wants to teach them more than just a game of football. And he has this motto, he has this thing um, in in the changing room and after the game, and it's this, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I wonder if we could get a bit of crowd participation this morning. Can you repeat after me? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the Bible says, no, it doesn't. Going to make a joke about a better seat in heaven, I best not. Hey, get a pen out, write that down. That's my title this morning. And um, I'm going to preach from that thought, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And we're going to look at something in the Christmas story um, in a second. But if you've got your Bible, you can turn to John 17. I hope you get your password right, babe. We're in. Come on. I'm going to turn to John 17 in a minute, but I just want to ask you this question. What's Christmas all about? Thank you. Yeah, Christmas is all about Jesus. And we could go out into the community and and we could take a poll of 100 people and what was the top answer and we could have a game of family fortunes. And you know what? If you pressed enough people, I think they'd be able to answer that question that Christmas is about Jesus. Cool. Tick the box. And then there's like the next step. Oh, do you believe he was the son of God? Yes, tick. But you see, I think the problem is a little bit with Christ. I mean, I completely understand culture has a responsibility for this. But a little bit of Christ coming out of Christmas is because we've come with this fixed mindset. And Ross Ingalls brought a great word the other week about mindset. And I don't know if there's any education people or maybe psychology people in the room, but there's there's these two mindsets, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And a fixed mindset is, is quite isolated. It's, it's one-word answers. It's a fixed answer. And, and, and a growth mindset is something that develops. It's something we continue to learn. It's something that we drill down into. And I think the problem is a little bit as Christians and as a church, we've had this fixed mindset of Christmas. What's Christmas? What's the reason for the season? And we laugh and we joke, but it's true. I think we've, we've looked at this season and this baby in a manger And we've missed the fact that that's the glory of God led there that's about to change the world. And we have this fixed mindset of tick the box. Go into the world, go and and ask them, can they tick the box? Cool. And I want to challenge us this morning with clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, that we need to have a growth mindset. That we need to be like Paul said, hey, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Now that's not to... This is not me going all liberal and let's just waver from the truth. No, it's taking that which is truth and it's building on it. It's not just a one-word answer to what's the reason for the season. 
It's a continual revelation as we come together as Christians. I've been in church all my life, and there's people who have been in this room who have been in church longer than me, and, and Christmas can come and go. We can answer that question with the fixed mindset. I can 10 out of 10 on the quiz. It's about Jesus. But I just wonder with clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose if we can just an awakening and a revelation of the glory of God that changes us from the inside out this Christmas. That means when we go into a community, our faces are radiant with the glory of God. And that people start to go, you know why I think the reason for this season is Jesus? Because his followers are beaming. His followers are going about with joy. Everything might not be okay this Christmas. Trust me, this is one of the hardest times for my wife this time of year. But you know what? We make a decision to say, peace, take what the angel said, peace on earth. And we're going to have joy. And so in John 17, I'm going to get to baby Jesus in a bit, but John 17, we have this scripture, and it's, it's building up towards like the end. Jesus is getting ready to, to complete the mission. And, and it says that Jesus prays. My side note this morning, if Jesus prays, maybe, maybe we need to pray too. Cool. Um, verse 1, John 17, I'm going to read bits, and I'm going to jump around. Are you with me this morning? Three, that's awesome. <laughs> So it says, says this, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Think about growth mindset. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What's eternal life about? What's salvation about? Jesus says it's right there. It's to know God and it's to know Jesus. Eternal life is not about when we die, then going to heaven and we have the golden ticket. No, eternal life is about heaven coming to you when you decide, actually, I deserve death because of my sin, but Jesus saved me. Eternal life is now. And guys, we need to have a revelation that that baby came to bring eternal life. And what did Jesus describe eternal life as? It's to know God and to know Jesus. It's to know that God sent Jesus. And then he goes on to pray for his disciples. I'm not going to read all that, but just I want to highlight verse 8. For I gave them, I gave them words you gave me, and they accepted, accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I just wonder, I just ask you from the off, are you certain? Are you certain? Do you know, do you believe that God sent Jesus? Whether you believe the Bible or, or not this morning, there's more historical evidence that there was a person that roamed the earth called Jesus, that was born in Bethlehem. There's loads of historical evidence. Forget the Bible just for a second if, if you're cynical this morning of what this might be. There was, the fact is, but the question is, was it the Son of God? The question is, was it a virgin birth? And I know Ian expounded that a little bit. Fully God, fully man. And so it says that the disciples, he gave them the word and that they were certain. They'd spent some time with Jesus. They spent enough time to G with Jesus to go, this is the real deal. And then I want to jump to verse 20. And this is kind of the crux of our message this morning. And he's praying for you and me now. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, the disciples' message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them, I have given them, that's us, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them. Christmas is about love. It's about a baby, yes. God's display, greatest display of love is bringing his son to then go and hang on a cross 30 years later for you and me. And that love is now in us. Verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that you, the love you have for me may be in them. He also said that by our love for each other, that we, he would, they would know, the world would know that we are his disciples. And so this morning, I want to I unpack this. And I've not turned my screensaver off, which is a disaster. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. It's a growth mindset. It's about a revelation of what Christmas is all about. It's about growing in this scripture. And see, the reason for the season is more than just answering yes or no to that question. It's about a revelation of what Jesus said. Eternal life is to know God. Do you know God this morning? And that's not a yes or no answer. It's, it's a continual revelation. It's growing. It's being in the word. It's being in worship. It's being together as a church. Just as Jesus said, as me and you are one, we want the church to be one. That when the world looks in and sees the church... He sees unity, not because he wants us all to be robots and the same. No, he wants that love, that love that he, the Father had for the Son for us to have for each other here in, in this place. One day, guys, we're going to see Jesus in full glory. What's, what's Christmas all about? What did Jesus say 30 years later? He said that they would be with me in heaven. You know, I remember when I was a kid, my dad's, my dad's a maths and physics teacher, continued to pray for me. But, but he had like a telescope and he would go out and he would observe astronomy, he loved it. And I'd be like in my Peter, Peter Pan pajamas all wrapped up and, and my dad would have seen something and he'd be like, he'd grab me out, it'd be freezing cold. And you know when you're like, you kind of pretend to be interested, but you're like, I'm freezing dad, I want my milk and I want to go to bed. But, but he would show me something in this telescope. And it was the heart of the father to share it with his son. You see, the heart of the father is that we would be in heaven and see Jesus in full glory. Jesus came as a baby, and he was the exact radiance of the glory of God, it says in Hebrews. But that glory, some of that glory was veiled in, in God, Jesus being fully man. And I want us to think about the shepherds this morning. As we think about Christmas, I want us to think about the shepherds because, you see... In the Old Testament, God's glory was, was this thing that was, that was feared. And Moses said at one point in Exodus, he said, hey, God, show me your glory. And God said, I can't. You would die. But he said, I'll pass by you and I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock. 
And so God's glory, this, this tangible, visible in some, some instances, this display of God's character, his righteousness, his sovereignty, his love, his grace, displayed all around us. God's glory is all around us. It's whether we have clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose to see God's glory. Creation sings of his praises, it says in the Bible. But these shepherds would have known, they were Jewish boys, they would have known that in Exodus, they would have had some idea, whether they knew it or not, but they would have some idea that God's glory was something that they couldn't see face to face. But yet these shepherds, what do they do? They go and see Jesus face to face. And yes, some of God, Jesus' glory was veiled in the flesh, but still these shepherds, they just went to see Jesus face to face. My question this morning is, are we prepared to go and see Jesus face to face, to see the glory of God and that it changes us? That our faces are radiant with the glory of God because we've had an encounter with the Son of God. And these shepherds, they, they, they would have known that, but the, the, the angel comes to them. We know the story. The angel comes and says, I've come to bring you good news of great joy. Today, a Savior is born. The Christmas story happened. It wasn't an accident. It happened. It was planned long before you and me were ever here. It was carefully orchestrated by God. He knew every move, everything that was going to happen. He knew the Roman Empire wanted to get greedy and wanted to count. And he knew that he was going to use that to, 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 bring De, um, to bring Joseph to the town of David in Bethlehem. God knew that. And sometimes I think we read the Christmas story and we think about the nativity and we're like, oh my goodness, what are they going to do now? Come on, guys. This is God. This is Jesus. And, and the shepherds went. And I think this clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I think the shepherds epitomize it. You see, the key to understanding that you can't lose and to have a full heart has to start with clear eyes. It says in Hebrews, just checking you're awake. What does it say in Hebrews? Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Sophie, where's Sophie? I'm going to illustrate it this way. Hey, give Sophie a round of applause. I was thinking about this idea of clear eyes, and I did some dance in my university days. It was a disaster, but, but I, I had this inkling about something that dancers do, and, and I'm going to show you. You good? Good. Go for it, Sophie. Round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Should I ever go? I'm not even going to bother. Do it again, Sophie. Give me, give me one more pirouette. Amazing. Now, I don't know about you and me, but if I did a pirouette, these are gone. The flame's now on the carpet, and now this building's up in flames. But you see, Sophie can twist, and she come, comes back. Can you explain why you don't fall over and why you're not dizzy? Because you pick a spot in the room, like, obviously ahead of you, and when you get halfway, you quickly turn your head around. You're spotting in one bit. Come on. Thank you, Sophie. Clear eyes. Clear eyes. Where's your spot, church? Where's your anchor point? When, when worlds like this, when the Christmas dinner's burning, when you can't afford to buy the, the kids Christmas presents, when the ends don't meet, when you're grieving your lost mother or your father or your grandparent, when worlds feel like this, where's your point? 
Where's your spot? And just as Sophie comes out of that pirouette, she knows where her spot is. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Church, we need to have a revelation, an awakening this Christmas with clear eyes again. Clear eyes, it's not a one-time clear eyes, I'm done. No, it's continual. And if Sophie was to continue to dance, she would keep picking her spot. As she goes into that twist, she would know where her spot is and she would have those clear eyes. Where's your spot? Where's, where's your anchor point? It says in John, Jesus says, hey, when he, talking about mankind, when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. When, when, when they see Jesus, they saw God, they knew that God had sent. Do you see Jesus with clear eyes? Is Jesus your anchor? Is he that hope that has an anchor in the storm? In full hearts, the question isn't whether your heart is full or not this morning. Jesus, Jesus said, from the heart speaks the mouth, from the overflow. I would suggest, I'd like to suggest this morning that your heart is full. It's just a question of what it's full of. Your heart is full because it overflows, the Bible says it overflows. But what's it full of this morning? What are you taking in? You know, I, I spent some time with Ross and Aaron and some of the boys. I went mountain biking. I'd been around that environment for a, for a few hours. And, you know, you're like, all right, bro, pal, lad, you know, all those kind of terminologies. And I come home to my wife and I'm sat down. Alex was there. Shout out to Alex. He's really good on the bike. Really good. Um, sorry, just. <laughs> so I get home and I've been with the boys and I've hung out with this, in this environment. And I get home. And my wife says something to me, and this happens more than one occasion, didn't quite catch what she'd said. But instead of like, sorry, darling, sorry, babe, sorry, Victoria, I was like, sorry, pal, what was that? (laughs) The point is, like, what I'd taken in came out. I'd been in an environment, and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't an unhealthy environment, but it was in my heart, and it meant that it came out. What's on your Instagram feed? What's on your Twitter? Talked about Netflix, but what are you watching on Netflix that you know is now in your heart and it's full of that and it's coming out in your language? It's coming out in how you speak to people. It's coming in how, in how you behave. Clear eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get in the word this Christmas to have a full heart and to understand we can't lose. That's not to belittle your situation right now. That's not a cliche of just a statement, we can't lose, we're all going to heaven. No, it's an understanding that like Jesus said in John 17, my heart is that you would see me in heaven, face to face in my full glory. And one day, church, there's a mission, there's work to do. Jesus said we're the light of the world. But one day, one day, we're going to sit, we're going to be in heaven, we're going to see the full glory of Jesus face to face. But Jesus also said eternal life, begins now. It's now. It's not just that golden ticket so we can just sit around. Can't lose. I don't know what you're going through. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. And I think the shepherds, they got this. Maybe they didn't understand Friday Night Lights, but they knew that they were going to look at this situation with a clear eye. And it says that they had a full heart and they went from there and they testified. They understood that can't lose. They didn't know that what we know, that Jesus was the veil glory of God. They might not have known that. They went in to see Jesus face to face. They didn't know that maybe like Moses, when God said, I can't show you my full glory, you'll die. Did the shepherds know that? Maybe they didn't, but they did or didn't. 
But it said that they just went to see Jesus face to face. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And I've just got four things, four things just to write down. This is close number one of about 17. (laughs) There's some things that I think maybe we can take from this Christmas story in Luke 2. To have clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And the first thing is this, we've got to be present. It says that the shepherds were watching their flocks. The writer in, in Paul writes in his letters, he says, hey, be wide awake, be alert, stay alert. Get, we have to be present. Fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, friends, we need to be present. I'm not talking about just sitting in the room. I'm talking about engaging in conversation. I'm talking about being present in your brother and sister in Christ is storm. It's about being present in that moment. You know how we have clear eyes, full hearts, and can't lose? We're present in the moment. We see God's glory all around us, and instead of seeing the chaos, we start to see the pieces of the jigsaw. We start to look back at our life and say, God did it. I start to see, look back at the pieces and see that God is in control. He's never left you, he's never forsaken you, and he's never about to start. Clear eyes, be present in every moment. The second thing is, is praise. It says, angel, single, an angel of the Lord appeared and says, I bring you good news of great joy today, a savior. At the mention of his name, there is, it says that there's an army of angels appeared. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your storm is or your situation right now, but I'd like to suggest from this passage that just at the mention of his name, angels begins to give him glory, honor, and worship. Start declaring Jesus, the Savior, lying in a manger, yes, but on the cross. Start declaring his name. Start to praise. Start to come to church, to engage in the worship, not because we, have, we do have an incredible band. We have an incredible set of musicians with a heart for worship, but come to church ready to lift up the name because there's something powerful. There's something powerful that one angel to an army of angels praising and glorifying the name of God. Praise. It says, glory in the highest, peace on earth. Glory in the highest, peace on earth. For me, that just hit me afresh this year, that when we give glory to God, what comes down? Peace. When we give glory and praise, peace. Peace I give to you, peace I leave with you. Number three, pursue. Said, let's go. They hurried and they found. I talked about that growth mindset. We've got to be in pursuit of Jesus. It's not just a one-time Christmas, once a year, or Easter. It's a continual growth mindset to grow and to know more about Jesus. It's not about understanding everything that's going on. It's to know God. It's to know Jesus more. It's to pursue like the shepherds, to go after Jesus face to face in every situation, to know more about him, to pursue him says in 2 Corinthians, it says, and we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness day by day by his spirit. The Holy Spirit working in us, we have to pursue day by day. And, and, and if you can't reconcile this morning why, why, why God says and God shows us that he's a healer, but, but you're not being healed. If you can't recognize, reconcile this morning why it says that God's your provider, but the ends don't mean. If you can't reconcile this morning that God says he's love, but maybe your partner's just walked out on you, 
or a family member severely hurt you, if you can't reconcile that this morning, I'd like to say, again, not to belittle, I want to challenge you and encourage you to not try and reconcile it, but just to press in to know more about God, not to try and understand it, but just to know more of him, to see his glory, because he is working all things out for his glory. And so when we press in to know more about him, yes, Jesus will start to reveal parts of the plan, but this side of eternity, we might not understand everything, but that's not the goal. Jesus said eternal life is to know me and to know my son, not to understand God, you're not God, I'm not God. And where there's chaos and, and you don't quite understand it, trust his heart, go after him, pursue him this Christmas. And the last one is this, proclaim. It says they spread the word. He didn't save you to remove you from the fight. He saved you to take you deeper into the fight. We do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. That we may proclaim the name of Jesus in this place, in this city, in this nation, on this planet. Proclaim. You know the shepherds, we know that we've seen enough nativities, we've heard enough sermons, but the shepherds were, you know, a lower, a lower class in society, in their culture. They, they weren't the magi, they weren't the rulers, they weren't the, the, the teachers of the law, they weren't rabbis. But it says that they proclaimed. Me and, me and my buddy were just talking about this, and he'd been reading about this, and he was saying that in their day, culturally, shepherds didn't have um, a valid testimony. They weren't allowed to testify. If they were to testify something, it wasn't valid because of their class. But it says that they went and they proclaimed. Our job is not to save anyone. Our job is just to continue to proclaim and to be the light of the world. And it's the Holy Spirit's job that will save them. But we continue to proclaim whether your friends ridicule you, whether your friends reject you. Jesus was rejected before he was even born into the, main, into the stable. Is, the, is there room in your heart? Have you rejected Jesus this Christmas? Or have you accepted him? And when you accept him and when you press in with clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, you start to proclaim. You start to speak things over your situation and your brother and sister's situation because you're in this Bible. You're in this book, the word of God. Are we present in every moment? Are we praising God? Are we in pursuit of his glory face to face? Are we proclaiming his word, his truth? I'd like to invite the band back up. I'm going to wrap this up. See, we can't, or I was planning and thinking about this, I, I can't talk about the glory of God and I can't talk about Jesus being the glory of God if we don't think about the transfiguration in Mark where Jesus takes Peter, James and John and he goes up the mountain and Jesus is transfigured and it's like, you know how you get the movies and you get like the trailer. It was a trailer of things to come. There was Jesus in full glory and he's got Moses who represented the law that condemns you and me. And there's, had a brain freeze. Elijah, come on, getting tired. <laughs> there's Moses who represents the law that condemns us. And there's Elijah, the prophet, that had wrote about this plan long before the ages. There it is, and there's Jesus in the center, radiant glory. And what does Peter want to do? He wants to build a tent and stay on the mountain. And God says, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased, but he gives us an instruction. He says to the three, he says, listen to him. Listen. 
church this morning, we've got to be hearers of the word, like Gordon said. But I want to again just challenge thinking about that growth mindset. I think we just think that we use our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our tongue to taste, our fingers to feel. I'd like to challenge you and, and, and try and stretch that, that we, we hear by seeing and listening. You know, like I can hear what my wife says, but if I'm not present and I'm not giving her eye contact, I don't listen, I keep getting told. <laughs> we have to be seers of the word. We have to be reading it, and we have to listen through the Holy Spirit. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to, to, to listen to the word, like that instruction on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured, and God says, listen to him, and then they come down from the mountain, and Jesus goes and completes a mission that saves you and I from eternal death. Do you see Jesus this morning? Do you see him face to face? And if you do, or you... Or, or you're kind of working through that, or you're wrestling with that. Your doubt and your belief are not mutually exclusive. Think about that growth mindset. Wrestle with your doubt. But do you see Jesus face to face? Do you see the glory of God? Do you need a fresh revelation and awakening this Christmas that makes your face radiant with the glory of God, as it says in Corinthians? That when you go into your families, when you go out of this place, there's something different on Monday morning at 9 o'clock around your colleagues there's something different because you are you've had an encounter face to face with the king of kings the lord of lords his name is jesus see when we have clear eyes full hearts can't lose clear eyes full hearts we start to see god's glory around us we start to hear it in people's testimonies and what he's doing we hear his voice we start to taste it. We start to see God moving in a city. We see God start to move in our family situations where all hope is lost. We start to see. We start to taste it. We start to hear. But I want to challenge you this, this year, this Christmas, going into 2019. What's this Christmas story all about? We go to Luke 2 in this book called the Bible. What's this all about? It's just one big story. It's one big love letter about God's plan to redeem his people. Every page. <laughs> every book. Every chapter speaks the name of Jesus. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Clear eyes. Full hearts can't lose. I want to challenge you to start getting into this book. Not for some more theology. Not for a catchy phrase on Instagram. Not for a Twitter phrase. Not to tick a box. To start to get into this book. To see and know and hear more about Jesus' love for you and I. To start to see the master plan in action. You see in Genesis, he's the seed that bruised the serpent's heel. In Exodus, he's the cloud by day and he's the fire by night. In Leviticus and Numbers, he's the great high priest making intercession for his people in the Holy of Holies. In Deuteronomy, I see Jesus, the bearer up in everlasting arms. In Joshua, he's the captain of the host of the armies of the Lord. In Judges, he's the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. In Ruth, he's the perfect groom and takes on herself the perfect bride to redeem the people. I see Jesus in 1st and 2nd Samuel. He's the calling of young men into the priesthood and to the throne room of Israel. 
In First and Second Kings, he's that whirlwind of power, that chariot of fire. He's the mantle of the Lord God of Elijah. In First and Second Chronicles, he's the Shekinah glory of God filling the temple of Solomon. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he's a voice to a bedraggled nation calling them to rebuild the walls of his ancient and holy city. In Esther, he's that queenly figure. He's that queenly figure who makes intercession for the people she so dearly loves. And in Job, he's the patience, the pride of God that causes that man to say, though God slay me, I will trust in him. In Psalms, he is the good shepherd that leads us besides quiet waters. He restores our soul. And in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's the beginning of all wisdom. He's the wise instruction of a father to a son. Oh, I see Jesus in the Song of Songs. He's the lily of the valley. He's the fairest of the fair. He's the rose of Sharon. In Isaiah, he is the lamb wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. In Jeremiah, lamentations, he's a voice to a youth saying, before I formed thee, I knew thee. And before I knew thee, I ordained thee and I sanctified thee a prophet to the nations. In Ezekiel, he's the wind coming from the four corners, reviving the valley of dry bones into praise and adoration of Jehovah God. In Daniel, he's the rock coming out of the mountain, not with hands, destroying all of the nations. In Hosea, he's the love and affection, he's the love and affectionate husband that redeems a degenerate bride. In Joel, he's the rain in the time of a lot of rain. In Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. He's the last voice of the prophets, preparing the redemptive work of Christ before the beginning of ages. Oh, friends, I don't know if you're going to jump to your feet, but I don't know about you. I thank God that he turns up in Matthew, a babe swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in Mark, he's the healer of the lame, the blind, and the mute. Oh, I see him in Luke. He's the great physician. He is Christ of Calvary. He's the resurrected Lord. In John, he is the word made flesh, dwelling amongst us. Oh, friends, he's the giver of power at Pentecost to the new believers who shook the world upside down. I wonder this morning, is there anyone? Is there anyone who wants to shake the world upside down? fulfillment of the law that frees you and I of all condemnation. In the letters to Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, and Thessalonica, he's the perfect doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ that's good enough to get you and me through those pearly gates. In Timothy, Titus, Philemon, he's the calling of young men to a lifetime of sanctification and service of the church. In Hebrews, I see Jesus. He is the same today. He's the same yesterday. And he's the same forevermore. In Peter, James, John, and Jude, he's the greatest power of the universe. He's the power of love. And in Revelation, I see Jesus. He is the first. He is the last. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the culmination of the conflict of the ages and his name
This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 